This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. I am Coach Jen from Ocala, Florida. And I am Karen Chatton from Gardnerville, Nevada. And you are listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for August 13th, episode 2246. Good morning, Horse World. When your start time's on Saturday and your finish time's on Sunday... And it doesn't get much better than best conditioned. And completing the challenge is the challenge. You're an endurance rider. Let me ride through the wide open country that I love. And welcome back, Karen. Karen is here the second Tuesday of every month to talk about everything endurance riding. How you been? Hi, good. This month, we're going to be talking all about Tevis. Now, for those those who are uninformed, give me the 101. What is Tevis? Tevis is the Western States trail ride that is 100 miles, starts in Truckee, California, and goes all the way over the Sierras to Auburn, California, within a 24-hour period. And it's kind of the the big daddy of endurance rides it's been going since like 1955 so i think this is the 64th year for it and uh it's something that most endurance riders aspire to do it's a big goal for most of us Mm -hmm. uh i know when i first started in endurance that was my main goal why i even started doing endurance to begin with is I went camping up at Roby Park. This was 25 or more years ago. And I got hooked. I sat around a campfire talking with a bunch of endurance riders that just, it, it totally fascinated me. It was like, I have to do this. <laughs> and I, it's like you become possessed or obsessed or whatever you want to call it. So then it becomes like this huge goal, something you want to do. You want to get your Tevis buckle. And so we have right now like 184 entries entered. Wow. Now it's the Tevis. It's one size fits all. A lot of times when somebody enters an endurance ride, there are different levels, different divisions, different distances in that you can enter ride, a and you can do the the 50 or you can do the 100 or you can do the two-day 100 and things like that with tevis it's everybody does the same ride exactly it's one day 100 miles and it's point to point and that's a little bit different too because typically you see loops of some sort in that you end up by the time you're finished riding 100 miles you end up back where you started in camp exactly and that's not what happens here. <laughs> what kind of cha- what kind of uh, um, additional challenges does that create for you as a competitor to have to have? You're ending up a hundred miles away from where you started. Exactly. So you need to have a crew. Um, preferably, you want to have a crew that's good at reading maps or GPSs. 
devices or smartphones so that they know where they're going. Um, the, the crews have somebody has to move your rig from the start to wherever it is you want your rig to go, whether it's to Forest Hill, which is like two thirds of the way through the ride, or to the finish. And then they, and then you need to have a crew that meets you with your stuff back at the first hour hold, which is like 34 miles into the ride. So the crews have to drive for like probably two or three hours to get to your first vet check. But there, there are several vet checks along the way. Uh, And now the same crew uh, bunny hops along to each of those checks. And and if you're smart, you're gonna try to maybe split your crew up uh, so that you don't expect yeah. Yes, the same ones because I mean as a writer, you expect that you're gonna be up for like 30 hours for most of us, the mere mortals, um, from the time we get up to where we do the ride, finish, take care of our horses, and finally get to bed. Most of the time for me, anyways, and I'm usually finished like 22nd, 25th, somewhere around there, I'm up for like 30 hours. So you got to, you know, the crew job is also, you know, really demanding and challenging. So the crews are also up for that much time. Wow. Now can you're crewing this year for somebody versus riding. I I heard a little bit about this, something about Mustangs and lots of them. What's this? (laughs) yes i actually got roped into crewing for mustangs for mark montgomery who who had the show hasn't he he's he's been on the show a couple times yes and and last year his horse actually won the hagen cup so this year mark has i believe it's five mustangs entered in the ride but he's not Uh, riding all five He's riding a yeah. He, okay. He's riding one, and he and then he's got another U.S. rider riding. Uh, he's got two from Israel and one from Australia. So we're gonna have our work cut out for us. It's gonna be a ton of fun. I I can't wait. It's gonna be so exciting. I've got my friend crewing with me, along with Mark's wife Linda, who's a veterinarian, and so. We've all got plenty of experience, and um, so we're going to be very busy taking care of all of these Mustangs that are doing Tavis. So I don't know how one person can possibly have five horses ready for Tavis. I'm just lucky if I have one. (laughs) (laughs) Well, golly, he had to get all those horses fit. That's that's fascinating stuff. Perhaps after Tevis is over, when he recovers, he can uh, come on again and tell us a little bit about the adventure of having five different horses in the most prestigious endurance race in the United States. But one of the things you really have to deal with at Tevis are enormous changes in temperature because of the enormous changes in elevation. And you've got some tips for cooling out horses, regardless of what elevation you're at. Exactly. So for cooling, one of the things I learned many, many years ago on one of the first Tevises I've taken, I took Bo on and, and Bo and I have completed Tevis six times together. Uh, But this was a big kind of, I guess you could call it a 
mistake or a boner, whatever, however you want to describe it, was we came into Forest Hill and it was hot and it was humid. And a lot of times when you're in the canyons, Tevis can, the temperatures can reach like 120 degrees or more. And there can be humidity, which a lot of people don't really associate a lot of the rides in the West as having humidity, but I've been on Tavis at least twice where I've been rained on. So you can count on the fact that if it's raining on you, there's going to be humidity and it's hot. So we came into Forest Hill. It was hot. It was humid. We sponged Bo down. We put water on him and then we walked him over to the vet and he trotted out. He pulsed down right away but when he trotted out his CRI went up to like 80 and I was like "Uh uh-oh that's not good so the vet's like I'm gonna hold your vet card you have to come and recheck before you leave so the the mistake I made was that we just put the water on him and then we left it and so what it did is it kind of like insulated him and it heated him up it acted like a blanket that caused him to get even hotter because of so, the high humidity. Yeah. Yes. And so, the more humid the air is, the slower the moisture will evaporate off the animal, whether it's human or horse. It, That's a matter ex- of science. Exactly. So what I learned is the next time, and we've been through it several times since that this happened just fine with no issues is we put the water on him. I used ice water. I had my crew pick up ice and I also added alcohol, not the, not the good kind, but the <laughs> rubbing, rubbing alcohol, not vodka. Uh, uh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So uh, rubbing alcohol and, and you can buy it in a higher percentage than you just that normally would find say at Walmart or something. Mm-hmm. So the higher, and a lot of the fast, top runners at Tevis do this. And that's who I learned from. It's like, okay, what do these guys do? How do they manage their horses? Mm -hmm. And so I always try to learn from somebody more successful than me. And so I, I got the high percentage of the, the alcohol, put it in the water with ice. We sponged, scooped and scraped and, and repeated and what we did, what, what I've learned is I do that and you keep doing it until the horse's core temperature drops. So it, it might take a minute or two or five minutes or even 10 minutes, depending on the heat of the day and, uh, you know, the temperature and all the conditions. So just basically, you know, uh, sponge scoop, scrape, repeat. And that's the best way to, and then you get the horse's core temperature down. So then what I do when we go in there is we would walk 10 or 15 steps and I'd hand the horse a couple bites of hay. So he's eating his way while the crew is working on him, putting the water, scraping it off, putting on more cold water, scraping it off so that when we do get to the vet check and he trots out and does his CRI, he's going to have a really good recovery. And, um, you, you know, so sometimes you have to learn from making mistakes and that was <laughs> the one mistake I learned from Yeah, because you, you don't trust me. You don't want to be on Tavis and have your horse's CRI come back. And the vet says he's at 80. You're like, you know, you're turning like pale as a ghost going, Oh my God, <laughs> this, 
This is a key. Ah, so um, so what what does CRI stand for? Uh, cardiac recovery index. And what they do is they trot your horse. You trot your horse out. I believe it's a hundred feet. And you, so they take your pulse before you trot and then you trot your horse out and back a hundred feet. And then they wait 60 seconds. Uh, And usually during that time, the vet is checking the other perimeters on your horse, uh, you know, checking uh, the gums and the skin tinting or gut sounds. And then they go back and they recheck your horse's pulse. So what you want, if your horse starts out with a beginning pulse of, say, 52, you want to be able to trot out and come back. And then when they recheck it, you want it to be at, you know, the same amount or lower. You don't want it to go back up. That's usually an indication that the horse is being stressed or you were just a dodo like me and left water on your horse that heated them back up. Right. So what's what's happening is you put water on the horse and because of the high temperature and high humidity, the water itself wasn't very cold. And then when you put it on a horse, the hot horse transfers some of Mm -hmm. his body heat into the water. But the water is mm-hmm. not going to evaporate very fast because it's very high humidity. Exactly. So by scraping it mm-hmm. off, there's less water on the horse, mm-hmm. therefore less to evaporate. So even if you weren't adding more water again, by scraping it off, you're allowing the evaporation to happen faster. And then by adding alcohol, right. you increase the evaporation rate even faster because alcohol evaporates at a much lower temperature than water does. Exactly. And you just have to be careful if your horse does have any nicks or scrapes or boo-boos. Don't put that (laughs) alcohol water on those parts. In fact, I have a funny story. I was at uh, Robinson's. This was three years ago when I did Tavis. And my crew, they didn't realize that I had in the solid aluminum bottles was the alcohol to pour into the rest of the cooling water for the horse. Mm -hmm. And I had gotten a scrape across my cheek from a tree branch. And so the, the well-meaning crew person, he still feels bad to this day. Um, soaked a wash rag for me. He thought from a water bottle for me to wipe off this scratch across my face. And, and it was pure alcohol. And well, it was disinfected. It's not going <laughs> to. Oh I was like, ow, ow. So <laughs> he's like, oh, no. What was in there? Because <laughs> I was like, ah, ouch, it's burning. So, um, yeah, you have to make sure everything is labeled properly and be really careful because if you're using the the bottles mixed with alcohol on your horse, make sure you don't drink it. <laughs> uh, yeah, that could be, that could be good. Or, yeah. or wipe, wipe it on a wound or anything like that. Just be careful. <laughs> I know here, here in Ocala, because we're horse capital of the world, tax shops carry gallons of alcohol like that. You just go down to the store and buy them. But I suspect <laughs> in a lot of parts of the country, you have to dig around a little bit to find that, but they carry it around here. You can get it in 50%, which is what you typically find in uh-huh. the pharmacy. They carry it in 70%, which is pretty common in tax shops, but they also carry it in 90% here. And that 90% stuff is wicked. It is. <laughs> 
Yeah. And practice this at home. If you don't normally put alcohol on your horse's skin, Mm -hmm. don't wait until a big ride to try it for the first time because it does tingle quite a lot. And want to make sure he's cool with that. If I put alcohol, straight alcohol on Nigel, he will dance over top of you and crush you. (laughs) (laughs) All 1,250 pounds of him. (laughs) Usually by the time the horses have gone 34 or 60 whatever miles in Tavis, they're fine with anything you do with with them. (laughs) See, here's the, I need to, I need to find somebody who can ride my horse 60 miles because I can't. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And by the way, that, that thing where you have to trot a hundred feet and back again, that's the hardest part of the ride for me. (laughs) (laughs) I know the getting on and off. Dude, yeah, that's yeah. that's that, why that little trot section is tough. Oh. That's why if you have a good crew, you can let them trot your horse, which is good because I like to be able to watch my horse move. I want to be able to see my horse trot out. Yeah. And uh, and the one thing when you are trotting your horse out and back, you don't want to be watching your horse while you're doing it because that usually throws the horse off. They yeah. don't trot out as well. And, and that also means you're going to trip so, over a stub somewhere and land on your face and be that good. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, well, speaking, so, speaking of yeah. um, horse and rider comfort during a big ride or a little ride, we're going to get uh, Kristen from the Distance Depot on, and she's going to tell us about some rider comfort stuff they've got. Good morning, Kristen. Thank you for joining us. And this morning, we are going to be talking about the ultimate in comfort for riding long distances or even short distances. So, Kristen, tell us about your sheepskins. Okay. Good morning. Um, Yes, our line of sheepskin covers and saddle accessories um, is called Sheer Comfort. So, the name says it all. We use 100% merino wool. Um, which keeps you warm in the winter and cool in the summer. Um, They're nice and cushy, about an inch thick, and um, our covers actually have now um, a a light um, sheer sort of a cheesecloth material on the underside of them um, because they're also used, the the supplier that we get them from also uses them in high-end automobiles. So they're just very plush and very comfortable, we have a ton of different styles to fit all of the different saddles out there. We have a pretty good variety. We have seat onlys, um, which means, of course, the cover just covers the seat. Um, we have them for English saddles and then a Western slash endurance style. So it's fitting most of the Western type endurance type saddles. We had added in an oversized English seat because a lot of these bigger um, reactor panel saddles and and saddles with deeper dressage style seats um, weren't, uh, our smaller cover wasn't fitting into those. So we now have the oversized English seat, which works really well on those deep seated or big endurancy type English saddles. Um, We have full covers for the English saddles too in a dressage style all-purpose, and we added a a cover called the Endurance Multi. So it's designed to fit some of the saddles that are a little bit different. Um, Some of the um, saddles just were a little bigger than our English covers, but the Western covers didn't work well, so we designed the Multi. So that fits a multitude of different saddles. And each cover on the website 
has all of the dimensions so you can measure your saddle and then open up each one of these covers and look to see if the sizing would be right for your saddle. We also have um, a deluxe Western, which again fits on the Western endurance type saddles and a full Western, which some people call the Lady Godiva. (laughs) And (laughs) we have a lot of riders who are out there riding in shorts. So this would be the cover for you. It's the cover I ride in. I love that cover. And, um, Jen and I were talking earlier. Yeah, don't ride in your saddle without one of these. They're <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> um, it just makes the ride so much more comfortable. And then we I, have excess. I just noticed something on the website that I didn't know y'all had. I need to get one of these. <laughs> you guys make a breast collar ring protector that goes over the center ring on a breast collar. I need that because in the summertime, Nigel has such thin hair. You can actually oh. see his skin because the hair on his chest is just naturally that thin. Right. And anything I put on him is going to give him a rub mark. So I need to get one of those. It's a whopping eight bucks. Big big investment. Right. <laughs> I'm getting one. I know it. And we sell the heck out of them. They're great too because they just... Velcro onto that center ring. Super so easy. even if you're riding with a martingale, you can still snap that on at the top and, and it gives you room to, nice. to have that there and still get that protection from that center ring protector. Um, yeah, we have all kinds of nifty like stirrup leather covers and we have cinturing protectors which protect the horse from the metal buckle. If your girth doesn't have some sort of backer on it, it will protect your horse's side from that metal buckle. So it makes it really nice and cushy for him. We actually even have seatbelt pads <laughs> for your seatbelt in the car, which nice. those, are, yeah. Yeah, those are pretty nice, too, because you know how that thing's always so, digging into your sho- shoulder. And what colors do you have? They come in black, brown, natural, and navy blue. And most of these are made up at all times, so um, you can always just get online and order away. Um, they're ready to go. Great. And if somebody wants to order, how would they go about it? They can visit us at www.thedistancedepot.com or give us a call toll-free, 866-863-2349. Perfect. Thanks a lot, Kristen. And it looks like we've got our guest on the line. Let's get it going. Good morning, Nicole. Thank you for joining us. How are you doing today? Great. Well, thank you uh, again for coming back on the show. I know we've had you on once before. And now I understand you are the head volunteer in charge of the trail. I am. So tell us what does uh, that entail? Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Tell us what that entails. uh, I'm on the Tavis Board of Governors, which is made up of, I believe, 30 people and a lot of the governors have uh, responsibilities uh, to put the the day of Tevis together, and my particular responsibility is is the trails, making sure that all hundred miles of trail is passable and and in good shape for the riders. And as you know, the uh, run shares part of our trail, so actually this year has been the first year where we've uh, officially teamed up with them and created our own uh, trail trail stewardship program, kind of modeled after what uh, some other trails such as Tahoe Rim Ride or Tahoe Rim Trail does and Pacific Crest Trail. But basically we've divided the trail into eight segments that are more manageable and then assigned a trail leader to each of those segments 
and that leader is in charge of getting their own team together to basically make that trail uh, segment their baby and take care of it for the run and for the ride. Mm-hmm. And so the uh, Western States Endurance Run deviates in a few spots, and obviously we all know where the where the people in charge of the segments know where those deviations are. So some people have more segments than others. Some have more canyons than others. But uh, uh, we kind of did a trial version of this last year, and this year we've implemented it full force. And it seems to be working very well. I think the challenges this year in particular were the uh, ever-lengthy winter, uh, which left a lot of snow and Mm -hmm. made it hard to get into the high country until very late. And also the fact with that snow, the ride date was delayed a month. Uh, We we made a decision, I think, back in March to... uh, you know, decide that we thought it would help the ride with more entries by giving people an extra month of training because a lot of races got canceled early in the year due to the weather. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then also give us some more time to work on the trail. Still staying in a a full moon time. We do lose a little bit of light with it being uh, not in July and now it's in August, the race this year. Um, But, uh, it also created some challenges where the run was at the end of June and now the race is August 17th where normally the, the horses go maybe two or three weeks after the run. And so it's a little bit less maintenance in between events. Uh, but the, the uh, people have risen to the task and, and I think the trail is going to be in great shape. Probably one of the better years actually. I think so too. The weather's looking to be just perfect for the ride. So how many volunteers do you have that work on the trails? So because each uh, segment leader is in charge of their own, you know, destiny, basically, we found that smaller groups that are highly trained in doing trail work and have gone through the forest service, uh, certifications such as getting uh, certified to use a chainsaw using all the proper uh, safety attire while doing so it's just easier to manage with like a a less than 10 person crew for each segment so some segments probably only have four or five people other times they might need like 10 so probably there's probably at least all together a hundred people that really dedicate a lot of time to the trail. Um, and then there's like probably more of a core group of 50 that do all the, the heavy lifting. Wow. Wow. And I saw recently Bob Sidnor posted about cutting out one of the granite rocks that had a sharp edge on it. Yeah. So Bob has been very helpful, uh, detailing out reports. He's very good at report writing, uh, <laughs> And so if you give him a specific task, he will master it. And what we found uh-huh. is that we need, we need to make uh, uh, this information and education on how to take care of the trail and what tools to use and uh, available to future generations. Because basically when the trail was passed down to me from the prior person who unfortunately passed away on the trails team that did it, there was very little information for me. I kind of had to jump mm-hmm. in and try to figure it out. And 
uh, was very difficult. So Bob's been helpful documenting a lot of the things for me, which is nice. And uh, right, he's also right. a back certified backcountry per or uh, trail master. So I think he's been through a lot of trail classes. And basically, the the trail I know for for this coming weekend, Tevis obviously is this Saturday, August seventeenth. Uh, we really do feel like it'll be in great shape. There's a couple spots that we know that we uh, will have to tackle after the race to make them even better, but they're, they're fine for the ride. They're going to get through, and, and we know where we've got to do some work for next year because sometimes sure. a lot of the best work we can do is actually in the fall. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's no snow, snow, and before the next snow. Um, but uh, the Granite Chief Wilderness is in really good shape there was a lot of work done on that trail several years ago putting up rock armor for the mm-hmm. um, the areas that used to be known as the bogs and it's been reported that all those are in really good shape oh good and i see you are now entered on the entry list i saw i am that was a real <laughs> last minute deal for me uh, you know that's I, the best way to do it though <laughs> yeah less stress I was stressing I haven't had the perfect year training which I, a lot of people like to go into Tevis with that perfect year you know everything's perfectly prepared and I've kind of had a whirlwind of a year with the uh it's a newer horse to us but uh the last race was fabulous and fun and low uh-huh. stress and we went into it just prepared to have a fun day and and that's what I'm going to plan on Saturday my mom is uh riding for her 23rd buckle she has 22 and she will be 75 next month so I'm I'm going to ride with her and I figure she knows how to complete tennis better than I do since she's done it so many times right yeah uh, so how many times have have you done it I have completed it four times out of six attempts Oh, good. Okay. Wow. So I know I rode a little bit with your mom last year on the ride. I remember she was behind me as we were heading up towards Cougar Rock. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. Did you guys go over the rock? I I did. I'm pretty sure she probably did, too. I'm imagining. Gosh, just to think of, I've only been over it, I finished eight out of nine times, but to think of going over it 22 times, wow. <laughs> or just doing the ride that many times, that's just kind of kind of crazy. Tell us a little bit of one of the things I was mentioning to Jennifer earlier was about your mom's quarter horse that finished the ride like 13 times. Tell us about that yes. horse. So that horse was a horse that she bred and raised. It was a product of an accident. She had a, another quarter horse that she had just gotten into endurance on. And she had a, a stallion that actually ended up getting moon blindness. But he escaped. And next thing you know, <laughs> a baby running around. And Aww. that became Thunder's Lightning Bar, who uh-huh. kind of became her main endurance mount for a long time. I want to say she had a little over 8,000 miles and she did Tevis cup 13 times, which wow. uh, for anyone, anyone listening, if you think of the lifespan of a horse in their competitive years, 
that's a lot of years of actually going to that race and, and making it. And I don't, Definitely. I don't yeah. even, I don't even know. I think she only maybe got pulled once and there were a couple years where she did not ride her because of, you know, some, some, something going on or injury or whatnot, but, uh, 13 years of her life, that horse made it from the start to the finish line. Wow. She that knew where she was going. <laughs> is definitely impressive. Talk about showing up all those Arabs, right? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yep. And wow. I believe she had to do some different, a little bit different training and feeding because obviously a quarter horse is a little bit different than an Arab. I, I think a lot of people tend to overtrain and, and that you definitely could not do that with that mare. She needed time off in between wow. uh, races. Um, and she was uh, quite stubborn. So that might've been some of it, the heart that, that gets the horse through too. I know, you know, I have found myself, I've only done Tavis on the one horse six times, but every time he goes, he gets better and he makes it seem easier. And so that's just like a total blessing. It's so awesome to, to get to ride the same horse over and over, um, versus a different horse each time. So that's, that's so cool. Your mom is just, you know, what a lucky person she is to, to have had such a special horse like that. That's just, that's awesome. And so I really hope she finishes this year and I hope you finish. And, uh, thank you. Tell us, what did you think of the Tahoe rim ride? Oh, so beautiful. That, that ride definitely, um, besides Tevis, I believe is the best ride in the West. It's uh-huh. just really well managed. That was the ride that made me decide to ride Tevis. <laughs> to do normally, Tevis. I, normally I wouldn't do a, a hundred two weeks after a tough 50 like that, but I feel like uh-huh. we took care of our horses. Uh, I got to ride with Heather Reynolds, who I don't even know the last time we got to ride together because she uh-huh. lives on the East Coast now and spends some summers here, but we don't typically ride in the same caliber of riding, sure. but, uh, yeah. Yeah. We, oh, you guys looked like you were day. having fun. Yeah. Uh, we, so... we had a blast. We, we were tourists all day. We stopped and let our horses graze in the grass. We took beautiful photos all day. Uh, we took so many photos. I think our phones went dead because we were videoing and taking <laughs> photos literally all day. So just a beautiful ride. I believe it was, it was good Tevis prep, uh, lots of elevation change. And now I know where all you Nevada people go train for your hills. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> that's when I first hills started doing pretty views. Tavis. That's what I did was that ride from the Valley all the way up and then back. It, it's definitely a good training ride <laughs> for sure. Lots of technical stuff on there. Yeah. So no, it's okay. really really a pretty ride. Lots of history. I enjoy the history of a lot of our trails. Uh, the Tahoe Rim ride has a lot of history with uh, how the water got supplied all the way apparently to Virginia City, which is mind-boggling that they figured out how to do that in uh-huh. the 1800s. Yeah, uh, and still to, still to this day, that is how the water is supplied to the city of Virginia City. So there, which also is one of my oh. other favorite hundred mile rides, as you know, mm-hmm. uh, but, uh, yeah. And the Tevis, same thing, tons of history with the pioneers that, that use that trail. And, um, I'm 
glad that I'm on the uh, trail team. It is a hard task. We we do have meetings that we have to go to with congressmen and forest service and state parks annually to keep those trails open for users and also protect them from uh, getting destroyed by other trail users because as a lot of the trail is in the forest service which is multi-use with motorcycles um, horses and hikers not necessarily mm-hmm. mountain bikes but uh, we we do put up a, a battle and, and I think we're getting somewhere gaining some ground but the uh, there's a lot of politics that go into that I won't get into all those details but the uh, ride is here to preserve that trail for you know future generations to come so hopefully those young juniors that you take Karen that you're bringing up into the sport, which I think is wonderful. will be able to continue riding on these trails for their lifetime. Yes. Hopefully. Yes. Tavis is such a legacy. So thank you, Nicole, for all you do for working on the trail. And I want to wish you and your mother, good luck this year on the ride. And I'll see you on Friday at Roby park. Have a great ride, Nicole. Woohoo! And um, Karen, you have some explaining to do. You were talking so- about something called a Tevis Angel before we got started today. What the heck is that? A Tevis Angel. A Tevis so Angel. It's, okay. It's like a long, long tradition where if somebody's doing Tevis for their first time, often they'll have a friend that gives them a Tevis Angel, which is just sort of like a, a token of good luck. And so I order, I have these little coins that are little guardian angels uh, that watch over you. And so I attach a little ring and a clasp with some of my horse's tail hair. And then I pick or my friends nominate the people that they want to get the Tevis angels to, to watch over them and give them hopefully good luck and keep them safe for the Tevis ride. And it's just kind of a fun thing. I do them this year. I've got, uh, there's nine juniors entered in Tevis. And so I, I did uh, the Tevis angels for the juniors as well as several different uh, people. I know that are doing Tevis for their first time or friends that nominated friends that are coming. And uh, so we're going to surprise them with a little, Tevis Angel with uh, hair from, uh, let's see, Chiefs and AARC Hall of Fame horse. And Bo has finished Tevis six times. So they've got a lot of uh, good luck, hopefully, uh, coming their way. And hopefully they'll all have a successful ride. Even if they don't finish, hopefully they'll still have um, everything, you know, go the best way it can still go. You know, uh, we all can't finish every single time we start every single ride. So, um, the, the trick is hope, hoping that you have good luck no matter what happens. So how did the Tevis angel thing get started? Do you know? I don't know. I got my first angel back in the nineties, uh, from a friend and that angel has been in my saddle pack for 38,000 and some miles. <laughs> wow. 38,000. So it's, it's, it's like a little talisman that you carry along. It is. Yes. That's it's, cool. And uh, Tevis is the only one who does that. 
I don't really know. Other rides may do it. I just kind of like doing it because I just think it's kind of fun. And, um, you know, and my horses don't seem to mind donating their tail hair. <laughs> so <laughs> and it's, it's always tail hair, never mane hair. Yes, it's tail hair. We wash and shampoo and cl- and yes, in fact, I I am going to because I've made like twenty one angels this year. Poor um, guys gonna I, lose a lot of hair. I've got pieces of horse tail hair all over my kitchen counter. <laughs> <laughs> now, are are you the only one who makes these for riders, or are you in charge of making them for the riders? No, I just do it on my own. There are other writers that do it and have done it for many years. It's kind of a, just, it's a thing. It It's all just kind of in fun. And, uh, y- you know, it's just kind of cool. You know, yeah, it's I think it's cool really cool just because it's, it's very personal. It's not, uh-huh. okay, we're going to, we're going to go out and we're going to buy X, Y, or Z tchotchke and put it into your, uh, pack it so that you have that. It's very personal. You have to know each person and you have to go find them and, and give it to them. That's so neat. Cool. Uh-huh. Yeah. And hopefully they will all have a great experience one way or the other. <laughs> one, way or the other. <laughs> one way or the other. Well, you know, the statistics are only around 50% finished Tavis. So uh, some of them may have to come back again in order to finish. Um, you, you know, so it's, you know, there's, there's no guarantees, but yeah. hopefully your guardian angel and what, what I put on the little note is never ride faster than your guardian angel can fly. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> now for Tevis, if you were to average it out or typical, um, at what point do you really start to see? I'm going to call it attrition. That's probably a bad word, but you start out with 180 riders and it, it's just one big group start. Is it not? Or do they stagger them? They have two starting pins. They usually put the faster riders, the experienced top ones. Yeah. 60, not necessarily the most experienced, but the ones that tend to ride faster and place up front, they pick 60 of those to put in the first pin and then everybody else goes behind them. And, um, that way, uh, and I think statistically, the first pin has a higher pull rate overall than the the second pin does. Mm-hmm. So being in the first pin isn't always the best place to be. And that's um, a although, sign. That's not something you ch- you sign up for. They say you go here. No, you you do have to sign yeah. up for it and request it. Oh, but okay. then you you have to have a record to go with it that shows that you can consistently finish up in the front because they want because that way those people are up in the front and then they're not trying to pass and you know with all the rest of the field because most of the field going to Tavis just wants to finish that's that's the goal is to get your buckle and just finish the ride um and then you've got these 60 people in the first pen that all want to (laughs) win So you have two pens. So the first pen takes off. How long do they wait till the second group goes out? Um, just like a couple of minutes. And oh. and you you leave out of Roby Park. Uh, there's been a few times where I've gotten to lead the second pen out. And so once the first pen goes, then 
they let the second pin start and we have to walk. It's like a mile to the actual starting line. So we walk and it's really kind of cool because it's dark. There's sparks flying from all the metal horseshoes on the trail. Wow. So, and, and you hear the pounding of, you know, how many hundreds of horse hooves going down the trail and you see the sparks and the electricity in the air. And it's like the most exciting thing ever so so everybody walks just, until they get to the actual yeah. start line is then and then is it a mad yes. dash or is it pretty pretty and, uh, controlled and, and then yes it's kind of kind of both <laughs> <laughs> it depends where you're at um i'm sure the the first people take off the trail quickly narrows down to single track so you go from this nice wide road that you can drive a rig down to single track trail just like that and then everybody, you know, it kind of backs up a little bit. You've also got in the first 10 miles, you've got several foot bridges that are like a couple feet wide or so that some horses get a little squirrely on, um, you know, so that can add a little bit of excitement <laughs> to the whole thing. Um, but yeah, the start of Tavis is not like any other ride I've ever done. So it's, it's pretty cool. Oh, wow. So that just makes me all the more want to follow along. And the folks at Tevis or the Western States Trail Foundation have really stepped up their game in using technology to let people follow along. Tell me a little bit about that. They sure have. And so they do what we call the Tevis webcast. So riders at home can follow along. Riders or crew at the ride can actually get online and follow along. The thing that's always fun is even when you're at the ride, whether you're riding, crewing, volunteering, is a lot of times the people at home know more than you do about what's going on at the ride <laughs> because of the technology, which is really cool. So they do a live webcast where starting on Friday, they take pictures of every single rider and horse assign the picture to the web page with the writer number and their statistics and their information on each person. So everybody and their writer numbers. And so then you can go in on the webcast and the website is webcast.teviscup.org or you can just go to teviscup.org and once the ride starts, look for the live feed to go and then you can look up your writer entry list and get your writer numbers. You can input your writer number and it will take you throughout the day to every check that the writer goes through. They're in time, they're out times for all of the checks. And so that's really cool. So you can keep up. And like I said, even if you're at the right crewing, the crews can use this to look up and see where their riders are in and out of the various checks so they know when to expect them at the hour holds they're going to be at. They've also got GPS tracking for the riders that want to carry a GPS and be tracked. Then people can literally follow their you riders. The dot. I love watching the dots. Uh, yes, because I did that, I think, last year and then year before last when I rode both, mm -hmm. I carried a G GPS and they're not, you know, infallible. There's times where they don't, 
always pick up a signal or they might show some bizarre thing. And what really screws things up is if a rider gets pulled and they end up getting trailered and then it shows their GPS signals way off the trail. <laughs> oh my gosh, what just happened to Mary? <laughs> oh no, that person's really lost. But uh, so, you know, that's sort of a really cool thing. So, uh, you know, there, there's, just a lot of things you can go to and the, the for the gps tracking it's called trackleaders.com uh forward slash tevis cup 19 and so from there you can go and click on the different writers by their names and their gps trackers and follow them which is always kind of cool so that you know uh it says here that uh the Volunteers are manning 18 checkpoints. Wow. That's a lot of volunteers. Because when they say volunteers, plural, they mean it. That doesn't mean 18 bodies. That's probably at least 36 bodies. They have about 800 volunteers. Wow. Run Tavis. At least that was what I know of from a year or two ago. Um, Yes, there's like 18 volunteers couple of dozen or more veterinarians you've got ride management um so you know it's it's the biggest event of its type pretty much in i would say in the whole western hemisphere Uh, you know it's the most known you know endurance event i think in the world um definitely something that almost every endurance rider wants to aspire to is to go do tavis Wow. So probably if you put into your search engine, Tevis Cup tracking, Tevis Cup webcast, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, you're going to find all of these links, but we'll also put them in the show notes for the, today's show. Uh, okay. Tevis also has a Instagram and Twitter account, so you can follow live that way. So uh, and- they've really kicked it up. I like this. Yes. And Flickr, I'm going to actually, I'm going to be uploading photos that I'm going to be taking on Friday and Saturday. So I'm going to be uploading photos to Flickr, F-L-I-C-K-R.com. And uh, just go to, go to Flickr and then look up Tevis Cup. And there, there will be albums separated by each check. And hopefully um, I'm going to be able to rename my photos with my initials so that um, everybody knows who took what photos and that sort of thing. And so I will be also uploading photos and sharing to the webcast. And crewing for five different Mustangs. (laughs) Yeah. You're going to be a busy girl. It's going to be fun. Exciting. I'm going to, I'll tell you what though, before noon on Saturday, I'm going to be wishing I was riding. (laughs) Yeah. See, that's the thing. (laughs) Exactly. And right now we have 26 international riders. 26 international. Really? Uh Uh-huh. From New Zealand, Israel, Australia, Canada. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, this is kind of a a big deal for a lot of people to to come and do this. And speaking of putting on the miles and being happy about doing it, we cannot do the show every month on the second Tuesday without our wonderful sponsors. And one of our wonderful sponsors that's been with the show since day one, since you started doing the Endurance Show, Uh is Renegade Hoof Boots. Renegade. Yes, renegadehoofboots.com. They make a 
couple of different models of hoof boots, the regular classic Renegade boot and the Viper. And they do a glue-on version, which I have used on Tavis, but I've also used the strap-on boots on Tavis and done well with those. Uh, They're super easy to use, um, come in a wide variety of sizes and colors, and they have the best customer service. If anybody needs help with sizing and fitting, they can call Renegade, go to their website, send them a message, go to Facebook to Renegade Hoof Boots, send them a message, and they can help you choose right uh, which which boot is going to fit your horse the best. And I've been having the best luck again this season with both of my horses. We just did the Tahoe Rim Ride 50, which was a really technical ride. We're doing lots of switchbacks up and down and up and down, hopping over boulders, going through water crossings, thousands of feet of elevation climb. I mean, it's a tough, challenging ride. And the boots, again, were just absolutely perfect on both horses all day. Um, we, we've done rides this year where it rained on us all day and we were in the mud with water crossings. And again, the boots were terrific. So if you get a good fit, um, the, the boots are, are great. Um, I never regret going, you know, this route and keeping my horses barefoot. I don't got to deal with farrier appointments or anything like that. <laughs> Which is nice. Yeah, that's nice. And if you're not familiar with Renegades, go check them out online at, um, was it Renegade.com? Renegadehoofboots.com. Renegadehoofboots.com. They're they're very slim in that they're not a big bulky chunk on the outside of your horse's hoof, which is nice. So they're less likely to get caught up in anything you're going through, brush or mud. There's not a lot of surface area for muck and mud to stick to. And if you're not someone who chooses to use boots as an alternative to a traditional shoe, one of the really cool things about the Renegades is you talk to the great folks at Renegade and get your best fit. They are lightweight and slim and easy to carry on your saddle if you need a spare. For example, your horse wears traditional shoes. He pulls one off. Uh Uh-oh, what now? Look at this. I've got a Renegade hanging right here on my saddle. It weighs practically nothing. And you can just you know slap it on your foot. I remember there's been a couple times at Tevis where I come into a vet check and riders have lost shoes. Their nailed on shoes have come off and they're frantically searching to find somebody that has a spare boot. And it's like, really? You're doing Tevis and you didn't you need a boot. carry a spare boot of some sort? Yes, you it's, know? it's a very, and very wise investment. It is. Everybody should have a spare boot there we regardless. Go. And, um, I'm lucky because Bo takes like size twos on all four feet. Oh, how handy. That's very handy. And what's really cool is most horses have smaller feet than that. And it's like, sorry, I can't help you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, and I've done it. I have lent my spare boots out on Tevis to riders. And then I think as I'm going down the trail in the dark, you know, now I don't have a spare boot. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, that's why every person has to be prepared. You have to be prepared as best as you can. You you know, uh, I mean, endurance riders are always going to help another fellow endurance rider out because that's just what we do. That's the nature of, you know, 
endurance riders and horse people, I think in general. So if somebody needs a boot and I have one that's going to fit, I'll let them take it. Even if it means that now I don't have one. <laughs> so. so let that be a lesson. Don't be that girl. Exactly. Get your own boots. <laughs> and yes. they come in awesome colors. Really awesome they colors. They do. Awesome. And if you've got more than one boot, like say, for example, you have horses that have different size feet or you have a spare boot in several sizes because your horse has two different size feet or you have multiple horses. It's really nice because you get size two in the green one and you get size one in the shiny Orange. copper colored one. So even or, uh -huh. a horse husband can figure out which boot goes where. Exactly. <laughs> in, in, in. Anyhow, it's been lots of fun talking all about Tevis. Mm -hmm. And for all of the goodies, you go to teviscup.org website. And as I said, you, if, uh, if you want to get some of the specific links, just jump on over to today's show notes, the show for August 13th, 2019. And they'll have the live links. If you're tuning into any other time, those live links will be gone because the, uh, the ride's done. <laughs> <laughs> Are there any it's, cool upcoming things coming into AR, AERC? Yes, I'm sure there are because for the western part of the country, it's high season. Where can people find rides? It is. Go to AERC.org. We have the AERC National Championship coming up at the end of October that is going to be in Ridgecrest at the Twinny Mule Team ride. Oh, so that's a kind of a cool thing that's coming up, having the national championship on the West Coast. And uh, otherwise, go to the ride calendar. Just go to AERC.org and you can look up rides near you based on your region or state. And there's lots of them. Mm -hmm. and, and if you're a newbie like me, you look for the introductory rides and the short rides. And the, the organizers are oh so tolerant of clueless folks like me. So don't <laughs> be afraid to ask what you think might be dumb questions. You think just because you're new, you're clueless. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm clueless and I wear it proudly. There we go. To <laughs> we do. We all do. We can all be clueless. That's the whole thing. It's that's, okay. That's, it's okay. And, and we all recognize it and accept it. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> and to find links to today's show, go to horsesinthemorning.com. As I said, this show for August 13th, 2019. You can follow us on Facebook if you haven't done so already. Go to Facebook and search for Horses in the Morning. We also have a Twitter account if you'd like to live your life 150 characters at a time. Our handle <laughs> is Horse Radio, all one word. If you haven't downloaded the app for your iPhone or Android, do it now. Go to your app store, search Horse Radio Network, download it today. It's quick, it's free, and it's easy to use. And then your friends who are less tech savvy, gently and kindly take <laughs> their phone and download it on their phone too. They'll thank you later. And finally, thank you very much to our sponsors. As I said, we couldn't do this show without them. And our sponsors are... A distance Depot and Renegade Hoof Boots. Thank you very much. And we will be seeing y'all tomorrow, Wednesday, for more Horses in the Morning. <laughs>